Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Summit Church Podcast. We want to connect you to a relationship with God and all that He has in store for you. We hope this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live out your best days now. Enjoy the message. Is everybody excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on, you got your Filipino cousin here today, and if you're brand new to Summit uh, and you're like, hey, I didn't know I had a Filipino cousin, you can go home and share that with your family. Uh, so, you know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, in, in my, my God flow, and, and my God flow looks like this. I like to listen to praise and worship music, and then after I listen to praise and worship, uh, I like to pray, um, and my praise and worship uh, is kind of mixed with some contemporary music, is mixed with some hymns and, and just some songs throughout the decade. And as I was listening to music before I got into my prayer flow, uh, this song came on that I haven't heard in years. And I'm not going to sing it to you because I'm going to bear you uh, your ears uh, on this, but I'll say it to you. And it went like this. It said, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. Percy said he knows what I'm talking about. Summit family, I just want you to know that it is the attack of the devil to always go after you. And so if today, if you feel like your joy has been stolen, if you feel like your positivity has been stolen, if you feel like something that belongs to you has been stolen by the enemy, I want to let you know that through this service today, you don't have to leave here the same way that you came in. You don't have to leave here burdened the way that you came in. God is a restorer. And he's a respecter of all people. So as a respecter and a restorer, God wants to restore that joy back to you. He wants to restore your relationships. He wants to restore your marriage. He wants to restore some of the things that you feel the enemy has taken from you today in this service, today. Come on, if we all believe it, God can do great and mighty things in that today be a day of restoration for you and your family. Even if you have to go home and write something, write a note to the devil and put it at the bottom of your feet and just stomp on them all day, uh, go ahead and uh, do that. All right, everybody ready for the word? All right, Ezekiel 37, 14, and then we'll scroll down to Ephesians 6, 10, and 13. Ezekiel 37, 14, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live and I will place you in your own land, San Antonio, Texas. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Man, I can't wait to unpack this here in a little bit. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor, not just a little bit of it, not just one of it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole, again, whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you, Father God, for today. We thank you, Lord, that you are going to move and do something that only you can do. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. I pray, Lord, that you fill this place, this space, and let no single person leave here the same way that they came in. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, just as Pastor Rick always says, you are in a safe place to hear a dangerous message. Uh, and I, if, if I can get some participation, where's my amen sections? Okay, spiritual, spiritual flood zone right here. Uh, so one of the, the things that overseas, uh, that anybody that's ever been with me overseas, we, we, we experience a lot of great things. And, and I always tell everybody that we, we go with, the reason why we experience some of the things that we experience is because the expectation level of people in third world countries are different, but it's the same God. They just expect a little bit differently. And so today, if you would just join me with expectation that God is going to move like he's never moved before. We expect God to move. We expect God to do things. And I don't come here just to give you an emotional experience. I pray that you encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today, and you don't leave here the same way that you came in. I pray that the chains that are holding you back be broken today in the name of Jesus. So how many people would say Sunday is their favorite day of the week? Come on. All right, we know who to pray for. Uh, how many people say Mondays is your favorite a day of the week? All right, not, not one hand. Thank you, pink, pink. No, 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 okay. All right, well, I will tell you, in my lifetime, uh, I've never really liked Sundays because the day that preceded it was Monday. Uh, you know, it was, it's cool to go to church, uh, but I was like, oh, man, the next day is Monday. I got to go back to work. I got to get on the grind. I got to go and work a million hours. Then I got to go take the kids here and there. And oh, my goodness, Sunday, oh, man, the next day is Monday. But somebody talked to me, and they said, Kenny, you need to change your perspective. And one of the biggest reasons why I needed to change my perspective is because one of the biggest issues that people have is that they feel like time has flown by and they didn't even do anything. Or they feel like time has flown by and they didn't even accomplish anything. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you've ever been in this situation, one of the reasons why you've been in this situation is because you're having another tomorrow. Monday is just another tomorrow for you. Uh, and tomorrow isn't your destiny unless you work towards and you set up stepping stones towards your destiny. And if you never, ever do that, tomorrow is just another tomorrow. And see, what happens is we just continue to have another tomorrow and another tomorrow and another tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, 10 years passed by and all these tomorrows went by and I didn't even do anything. And so I changed my perspective. Instead of dreading Sundays, Sundays is my favorite day of the week. Sundays is supernatural Sundays. Sundays is super Sundays. And Mondays is now Momentum Mondays. Because on Mondays, I go back into my God-given uh, God calling. I go out into the very thing that I'm supposed to be doing every single day of my life. That's when I get to be able to do that. And Sundays is the day that I get filled. Sundays is the day that I rest. Sundays is the day where I chill and relax and make sure that on Mondays I get to go back to my God-given calling. I get to chase purpose and pursue purpose and not just have another tomorrow, but work towards my destiny. 
You see, what happens is we gather on Sundays only so we can scatter on Mondays. And, and oftentimes we're deployed. Any military people here? I'm a military uh, man with a few deployments in uh, my life. And so when I was getting out of the military, what they said was, now instead of being deployed, you're going to go and get employed. And so now I just take that. I'm deployed to where I'm employed. And I have a purpose. I have a mission. Anybody that's in the military knows that when they get deployed somewhere, they have a mission that they have to go to or they have to go through. And so now my deployment is my employment and I have a mission there, whether I like the mission or don't like the mission, I have a mission there. And as Pastor Rick said last week, we are ambassadors of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are supposed to carry the kingdom culture everywhere that we go. If I work in the doctor's office, I carry a kingdom culture in the doctor's office. If I work in a bank, I carry the kingdom culture in the bank. If I work at the school, I carry the kingdom culture into the school. I abide by the policies and the law of the land, but I in effect where I am employed because I am an ambassador of Christ and my goal is to expand the kingdom of God. Therefore, I do it where I'm employed. I do it where I'm scattered, right? We are Christ ambassadors. If anybody's ever spent some time with me, I love to tell my testimony uh, because if I tell you my testimony uh, and I say that I'm angry or I'm mad or I'm a functioning angerholic, you will say, oh, I could see why. <laughs> but then uh, a friend of mine said, hey, have you ever read John 13, 35? I said, yeah, absolutely. I read John 13, 35. He said, but like, have you read, read it? Right? Has anybody read through the Bible? But then somebody told you about a scripture verse and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Well, he told me about John 13, 35. And this is Jesus before he was about to go to heaven. And it says, you will know that they will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love people. We have a responsibility to go somewhere and love on people so they know that, they're, that we, you, are Christ ambassadors, that you are somebody that follows Christ, right? We should be able to go somewhere. We should be able to go to school. We should be able to go to work. We should be able to go to everywhere that we're supposed to go. And people know that we're Christ disciples by the way that we love people. We're supposed to love the people that make us mad. We're supposed to, spouses, we're supposed to love the people that anger us. We're supposed to love the people that other people don't love. That's how people know that you're Christ's disciples, by the way that you love people. Come on, imagine if we went out and people said, hey, that person is an amazing person, and they go to Summit Christian Center. Why? I don't know, but they just love on people. Come on, can we be people that go out and love people, make people feel special, make them feel like treasures, make them feel like the, the worldly theologian treasure? That is who you are, Bruno Mars. Uh, how about we go out into the world and let people know that they are somebody? How about we go out into the world and make them feel like, hey, look, I'm a king, I'm a princess, I'm a, a, a queen. How about, how about we go out into the world and make people feel like they are valuable and that they are an asset and let them know that they have a God calling over their lives, just like Jeremiah says. I've set you apart. I called you in your mother's womb, and I set you apart for the very thing that only you can do. But here's the thing. Although we're supposed to love people, we also need to understand that we are in a battle. We just read 
in there, that we battle against darkness. We battle against evil forces. We battle against things that are trying to stop us from going towards our destiny. We battle everything. And one of the biggest battles in our lives are values, our minds, our thoughts, our actions. Come on, if you turn on the news today, what is the battle that we're looking at? We're looking at things that are challenging our minds. We're, we're battling things that are challenging our values. We're, we're battling things that are challenging our actions. But what are we supposed to do? The Bible says that this is already going to happen. If you've heard wars and rumors of wars, oh yeah, Matthew already said that. If you hear about pestilence or plagues, oh, the Bible already said that. But guess what he did also? He birthed you for such a time as this. He birthed us. He already knew, right? We, we weren't born in the 18th or 17th century. We were born in this day, in this age, and God already knew what was going to happen. And so he said, you know what? I'm calling you. You were called for this day and this age to accomplish the very thing that I called you to do. You are somebody, and you are somebody that I want to use. Imagine the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, plucked you from eternity, put you here, and said, you have purpose. You have a God-given calling. You have something to do that nobody else can do. I need you to go out and do that. But the world is fighting you. Isaiah 520, it says, woe to those. And this is, this is God talking uh, in, in the day of evil. And he says, woe to those who call evil good. Hello. Uh, and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Come on, the Bible already said, in the day of evil, things that are good are going to be called evil and things that are evil are going to be called good he already forewarned us but guess what again he called you for such a time as this summit when the when the world seems to get a little bit darker god called you and he called you to rise and shine the title of my message today is rise and shine now that was my opener okay <laughs> One of, some of my favorite uh, characters in the Bible are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, their names just sound amazing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What's your name? Abednego. Uh, and and they, were, they were three Hebrew boys, and they could have been in between the ages of 13 and 20. Uh, and they were three teenage Hebrew boys. And uh, they were held captive in Babylon. And the Babylonian king, he kind of promoted Daniel, uh, and Daniel kind of promoted them as administrators in areas uh, in Babylon. And the king Nebuchadnezzar, he said, hey, uh, I want everybody to bow down to our gods, Baal, Baal worship. And I, and I don't know if you've uh, seen this, it's kind of... They're worshiping other different gods. Also, they have a golden statue. And in 2016, they started to revoke uh, these uh, fire festivals where, guess what they're happening, what's happening in New York City and in London? Baal worships uh, sinners. Um, and so they said, I want you to worship Baal and I want you to worship these golden uh, statue of me. And these three Hebrew boys, they said, yeah, no, we ain't going to do that. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he brought him and he said, hey, I told you you're going to bow down and worship these gods. And what did these three Hebrew boys said? They said, 
Our God will deliver us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Come on. That sounds good. But if you're put in that position, would you be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, nope, no, nope, I am not bowing down to that. I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to do that. And even if you come after me, I'm still not going to bow down. And what, if, what happens if your God doesn't even save you? It's okay, because even if he doesn't, I still won't. But we understand that God will. And so what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar said, you're going in the fire. And guess what that fire, what I'm going to do in the fire? I'm going to turn the fire up seven times hotter than you did. Seven times hotter. The people that turned it seven times hotter, they didn't even make it. They died turning the fire that hot. And then after that happened, they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, he looked in the fire, and guess what he saw? There's another in the fire. There was somebody in the fire. And he noticed that they weren't dying in the fire. And so he goes out and he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, get over here. He said, everybody do not talk bad about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God anymore. Come on, Summit family. What happens if we go through the fire and then all of a sudden the people are like, hey, look, they didn't burn up in that fire. So when they call out, how about, you know what, they can't even talk about this God anymore. Right now, sometimes they talk about our God and we just silent. And God said, hey, look, if you deny me in front of Jesus, if you deny me in front of people, I will deny you in front of my father. Are we bold enough that when the day comes to worship the very thing that is anti-Christ, will you say no? And even if he doesn't, I still will follow him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are faced with a lot of the same things that we are faced with uh, today. You know, one of the biggest issues with, with uh, Christianity today is that we don't even know how to fight in spiritual warfare or we fail to engage in spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, just like we read, it says, hey, look, there's dark days that are going to come and you need to learn how to fight. Ephesians 6, 13, 17, it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand... Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Come on. God says, I want you to put everything on. I don't want you just to put on truth. I don't want you just to put on righteousness. I don't want you just to put on peace. I don't want you just to put on faith. I don't want you just to put on salvation. I don't want you to just put on word. I want you to put on truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation, and word. And when you put all these on, not only can darkness not stand against you, you will win. Come on. If you don't get excited about God winning battles for you, and all you did was put on truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and word. I don't know what's going to get you excited because God says, if you do this, I will fight your battle for you. Let me give you an example. David, 
David and Goliath, everybody knows the story? What happened to David? He swung that, that sling and he hit the giant on the forehead and killed the giant. But what did he do next? He ran up to the giant. He took the sword that was on his belt and cut his head off to make sure that the giant was dead dead. Not just dead, but dead dead. According to what we just talked about, he took the word of God from the truth and he slayed the giant. Come on, if that's not an equation for success, I don't know what is. God says if you stand on truth. Come on, not your truth, but the truth. If you stand on the truth and take the word of God and take the promises of God, you'll be able to slay any devil that, that comes upon you. You will be able to slay any giants that comes upon you. If you are facing something that you see that seems so big in your life, I want to let you know that if you take the word of God and stand it on truth, you'll be able to slay that giant. You'll be able to slay the very thing that's coming against you. You'll be able to slay the very thing that's standing in your way. Come on, Summit family, we are one went away from standing on truth and taking the word of God and slaying the giants in our lives. God says, if you take on the full armor of God, I got you and I'll fight for you. Come on, we can't be Christians that if something happens, the only thing we say is, oh, I guess I got to pray. Prayer works. Prayer breaks chains. Prayer moves mountains. The Bible says you got to go an extra step. You got to put on the full armor of God. Not just some of the time, but all of the times. You see, the devil, he's not battling who you are today. Because you ain't doing nothing right now. He's battling who you're about to become. He's battling your destiny. And some of family, you better not give up on your destiny. You better not give up on who you're becoming. Because God says the person that you're, you're becoming has great destiny. The person that you're becoming has things to do. The person that you're becoming has purpose. The person that you're becoming has identity. The person that you're becoming is who I created for this day and this age. Come on, it's your testimony, blood of the lamb, and the word of your testimony in Revelations that defeats the enemies. Come on, God is building testimonies in your life. You know, one of my favorite little nuggets of prayer in the Bible is the prayer of Jabez. Anybody know Jabez? First Chronicles 4.10. I bet you if you read the beginning of First Chronicles and the end of First Chronicles, you might, I said might, you might lose interest by 4.10. But Jabez, there's not, there's not too much that's known about him, but let me tell you a little bit about him. Jabez, he had a pitiful past and no hope of a future. He struggled to find meaning and significance in his life. He was desperate to be accepted by his fellow man. And Jabez's mama named him Jabez, which means he makes sorrowful. Come on, when your mama calls you he makes sorrowful, we got some issues going on. But Jabez said, I don't accept the label that you put on me. And so he prayed this in 1 Chronicles 4.10. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. Come on, can we pray this together? Jabez called upon the Lord saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it may not bring me pain. And guess what did, what did God do? 
And God granted what he asked. Jabez paid for four things. He said, God, will you bless me? God, will you enlarge my territory? And if you know about spiritual warfare, God will enlarge your territory. But as God enlarges your territory, you also expand into enemy territory. So you need to learn how to fight with this territory. So when you expand your territory, you got a little bit of spiritual muscle that will help you out. And he prayed that God's hand be upon him. And he prayed that God would keep him from pain. If you're going through something today, that's my prayer for you. My prayer can't be your prayer. I can't want something more for you than you want for yourself. But God says, hey, I want to bless you. So how about if we prayed, Lord, bless me. Lord, enlarge my territory. Lord, keep your hand upon me. And Lord, keep me from pain. I know it might hurt a little bit. But Father God, don't let it hurt so much that I can't move forward. Your pain is going to either be your jail, your prison, or your platform. And God is saying, hey, look, I want to use your pain that you're going through right now. And if anybody's going through something, God is saying, hey, look, I want to use the pain that you're going through right now to make it your platform. Because the way that you overcome the enemy, like I said, was by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And what I want to do with your pain is I want to create a testimony that everything that you're going through right now, your heart might be broken, right? Your, 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 your spirit might be broken. Your mind might be broken. But I'm a restorer, and I want to restore you. Come on. I want to bless you. I want to enlarge your territory. I want to keep my hand upon you. I want to make sure that I keep you from harm. But what I want you to do is I don't want you to stay in the prison of your pain. I want to make that, that pain that you have your platform. Because I want to enlarge your territory and I want you to understand that I created you to be my ambassador for the very thing that has caused you pain. Uh, after the Uvalde shooting, which is, man, hit hit hard for me because I have friends uh, in Uvalde and I have pastors in Uvalde. And uh, the pastors in Uvalde, they came together and uh, they said, hey, let's throw something the same Friday of the shooting. And they, they threw it at the Civic Center. And one of the pastors said, hey, Kenny, can you come out and, and preach? And I said, uh, okay. Uh, but he didn't know the internal struggle that I was going through when I said I would preach uh, over there. And so uh, that, that the next few days I was warring with myself and I talked to one of my mentors and my mentor said, uh, Kenny, it's not about what you say, it's about what you carry. You see, I don't know if I was going to be able to say anything that was going to ease the pain of Uvalde. I don't know if I was going to be able to say a word that was going to make them feel better about what happened. But what I do know is I carried an anointing of God. I carried God's favor in there. I was the light, and light goes into darkness and expels darkness. I knew that I carried something, and when I went there, I carried something. And it wasn't about the words that I spoke. It was about the God that I carried. It was about the spirit that I carried. And for you, every time you go somewhere, it isn't about the words that you say sometimes. It's about the spirit that you carry that expels darkness, that causes demons to flee, that causes darkness to be lit up. Come on, you carry something great. And God will always, always give you a promise for your provision. Anytime you need something, God says, I will provide for you 
And even if you don't see it, I'm already creating the provision behind everything. So if you're going through something and it feels a little uncertain, just know that if you feel like God has led you there, he's already provided for you as you get there or as you go on your journey. Because God is no respecter of persons. He's a gentleman. But he says, if you love on me, I will bless you. If you call on me, I will come to you. If you need me, just tag me in. It's at the point of your impossibility where God says it's possible because that's when I actually come in. Uh, Coach John Scolinos, not sure if anybody is up to date with their NCAA baseball, uh, but Coach John Scolinos, he was an uh, NCAA baseball coach, uh, won over 1,000 victories and won three national championships. I'm going to read this because I don't want to mess up his story. But in 1996, over 4,000 baseball coaches, little league to pro, descended upon the Opryland Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. To an open room at the age of 78 years old, Coach Scalino was a keynote speaker. And one, one thing, interesting thing about uh, John Scalino, and you can Google this, uh, when he spoke that day, he wore a home plate on his uh, neck. And for 25 minutes, he spoke on leadership with no mention of the home plate that was around his neck. He asked all the little league coaches, how wide is home plate in their league? Then he went through the ranks, high school, college, pro, and everybody raised their hand and said, 17 inches. He asked a question, and he said, in the pros, if you are not hitting well and they send you back to the minors, how big is home plate? 17 inches. When they go to practice, how big is home plate? 17 inches. And he said, you know what the, the thing about baseball is? Is that if you're struggling, we don't make home plate 18 inches, 20 inches, 23 inches. We keep it at 17 inches because that's home plate. At the end of his His talk, he called out businesses, he called out sports, and then he called out churches. And he says, one of the biggest problems that this world is facing right now is that they have a home plate issue. Is that if people are having a a hard time in home plate, we try to make home plate a little bit larger for them. He said, instead of making it a little bit larger for them, how about you keep them accountable for 17 inches? Come on, Summit family. As Christians, our home plate is our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our home plate is our truth because God said, or Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Our home plate is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. Home plate. If you're in home plate in, the, in baseball, you can hit a single, a double, a triple, or a home run. But guess what happens after you hit that? What's the goal? The goal is always to come back to home plate. 
Summit family, with a world that's dark, it's time for us to stick to home plate and not make accommodations to the world. Come on, to stick to the truth of God, to stick to the truth of the word, to stick to our faith. Come on, we don't need to hold everybody accountable for what the world is saying. We need to hold them accountable to what the truth is saying. Come on, God says, I'm for you and I'm not against you. But what I want you to do is I want you to stick to home plate. It doesn't matter when you scatter, when you gather all back, you come back to home plate. My life is centered around home plate. That when my world is going crazy, I come back to my faith. I come back to the truth. I come back to the word of God. And as I, I said at the very beginning, I love Sundays because I gather in this place. And even though we all scatter on Mondays, church is a symbolization of my home plate. I scatter on Mondays. But we come right back here to home plate and we stand on truth and we build each other up. We hold each other accountable. We grab each other's arms and say, if you're going through the fire, doggone it, I'm going through the fire too. I got your back because this is where we gather so we can deploy to where we are employed. Summit Christian Center is my home plate. But when I'm not here, it's all about truth. It's all about faith. And it's all about the word of God for me. Because everything returns back to my faith, my truth, and the word of God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is a story of the valley of the dry bones one of my favorite passages to preach. Let me read verses 4 and 5 and then 9 and 10 to you. God took Ezekiel on top of the mountain and this is God saying, he said, prophesy to these bones and I will say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Verse 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet as a vast army. Let me define a few things for you. The word prophecy means to speak to something or a specific thing and call it to happen. If I was going to Christianize it for you, we call the things that be not as though they are. In Hebrew, the word wind means ruach. It means breath of God, wind of God, and spirit. And so if we read this all over again, I won't read everything, but he said, I want you to prophesy to these bones. I want you to call the things that be not as though they are, and I want you to say to them, because when you prophesy to them, when you call the things that be not as though they are, breath begins to enter. And in Hebrew, breath means wind. 
It means the word of God. If you've seen the wildfires in California, they always say, how did the wildfires start? It started with a small spark. And what happened to that spark? The winds took it and it blew it all across California. Blew it all across everywhere that had wildfires. All because of a spark. What if today was your spark that whenever you go home, the wind of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God fills you and you go out into this city and make a difference. You go out into this state and make a difference. You go out into this nation and make a difference. What if today was your spark? What if today something happened, God touched you? And you went over there and you prayed for somebody and you said, get up, and they got up. What if today was that spark? This said, prophesy to the dry bones. Prophesy to the valley. Come on, if we look at everything that's dead in our lives, if we look at this city and say there's dead bones, if we look at this state and say there's dead bones, if we look at this country and say that there's dead bones, I challenge you to look and prophesy to the four winds. It said to prophesy to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and call the things that be not as though they are. And as I prophesied to the north, the south, the east, and the west, not only did the dry bones start to rise up, but they rose up as an army because the breath of God entered them. Imagine if we were a city that anytime something happened, we looked at the city of dry bones and we said, Spirit of God, go into them. Right now in the name of Jesus, let the breath enter them. Let the wind enter them. And as they had breath into them, as the Spirit of God entered them, as the wind of God entered them, they rose up as a vast army. Some can you stand with me really quick? Verse 14, it says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your lands, San Antonio, Texas. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Some of you need to go home today and you need to prophesy to the north of your house, the south of your house, the east of your house, and the west of your house. Come on, things that were dead in that house need to rise. Some of you need to go into your workplaces tomorrow and prophesy to the north, the south, and the east so dead things can rise up again. Come on, we have to be a church that calls the things that be not as though they are. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitsa.com.